Last week, we started this look into the gospel of Mark, into the words of Jesus, to what he has really called us to. And we've been looking at that what Jesus really desires from us is a heart of discipleship. He's not looking at people, that, uh, looking for people that just has an acknowledgement of who he is, that believes in him. Uh, but the belief that he calls for, when he says repent and believe, he's talking about a belief uh, that is an active role of discipleship. Um, and, and we're going to see through his own words that, that many times people say they believe, but they are not following him. They're not believing. Um, uh, we, many times, we fall into a self-deceptive cycle to where we think that uh, we are Christians, and, and yet we are not discipling ourselves, and it is a very dangerous thing that the enemy fosters. You know, the enemy is not, for many of us, tempting us uh, to go out into the world and do all these terrible things. Most of the, the, the strategies of the enemy is just to get us to become comfortable where we're at and, and to just fall into a form of Christianity. In fact, the Bible warns us again that many of the churches have a form of godliness, but you have no power. You have no relationship with God. You're just going through the motions, whereas God is looking for disciples. And so we're looking at this. If this is so important, we need to look at what is discipleship? What does it mean to be a disciple? And how did Jesus, how did Jesus define it? And I think that's the key thing. It's discipleship his way, not discipleship our way. I think many times we define, okay, God, this is how I'm going to be a disciple. And God's, oh, oh, really? I didn't know you could decide that. You see, a disciple doesn't mean that you have a say in it. A disciple means I am dead to myself. I'm following you. It is you that tells me what to do. And I think we have fallen into that trap. Um, the same thing that, that uh, uh, the Jewish people had in the, in the Pharisees, that they had began to define it themselves rather than truly seeking God. And so last week we looked at uh, the first uh, uh, area of discipleship, and that was that discipleship is necessary, that, that it is a necessary discipleship uh, that is, is uh, required of us. It is a discipleship that is uh, uh, shown by repentance. And the only reason we need to repent is we're going the wrong way. If we weren't going the wrong way, we wouldn't need to repent. And Jesus preached a message of repentance. And, and I think many times we gloss over those, those verses. And we only read the verses, oh, Jesus just, no, Jesus just talked about love and, and just talked about being nice to one another. And that is not what Jesus talked about. He preached a gospel of the kingdom of God is here. The time is fulfilled. Therefore, repent and believe. And uh, we talked about that, that, that repentance is a cue that you're going the wrong way. It doesn't mean that you just need to tweak yourself. Uh, you know, we just need to work on some things and then you'll be okay. No, Jesus said, there's nothing you need to work. You need to repent. You need to full out repent. And remember, he's talking to church people. He's not talking to the Gentiles. He's not talking to the sinners. He's talking to the church that we need to repent. And so discipleship is a, 
understanding that I need to change. I need to repent. We need to repent. We need uh, to, to begin to enter into a new uh, understanding of what we are doing in this life. And so it's necessary. It's not something that we can choose. You know, I'm just going to be a Christian, but then there's those real serious Christians. They're the disciples. Um, we looked at it last week that if you're not a disciple, you're not a Christian. It's not like discipleship is a higher level of being a Christian. They're just more fanatic about it. That is not true. A disciple is the very definition of Christian. And if we're not, all we're doing is deceiving ourselves and falling into the trap that the enemy wants us to. And so discipleship is necessary. It is absolutely uh, not a choice if we want to know Christ. Well, today we're going to look at the next uh, understanding of discipleship in that discipleship must be responsive. It's not something that just is. It is something that we must choose, and there must be an actual conscious response to it. Um, it, it is not just a prayer we pray, okay, Jesus, forgive my sins, come into my heart, and make me a Christian. Okay, there, I'm a Christian. No, there is a response that is required of us. Uh, there is a change in direction. It, it's the next step in repentance. Repentance requires an actual change, and so therefore there is a response uh, that is Desired, And so we are to walk in a responsive discipleship where we are every day we are responding to the words of Christ. Uh, you see, it's not just something that is a philosophy that, that is part of my life. It is a daily uh, uh, response to someone who is leading me in all of my actions. And, and so we're going to look at the response that is required of us. So we're going to pick up again in the verses that um, we were reading last week in Mark chapter 1. So let's uh, start again in verse 14 of Mark chapter 1 and read uh, the words of Jesus. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. So we see this call of discipleship, this very familiar story. I mean, we, we know this story of, of Jesus, and this happens over and over again. In fact, uh, something more like twice as many times as he said, believe in me, did Jesus say, follow me. Belief always came in the context of following. 
Um, and yet, we like to latch on to belief because in our minds, belief is a much easier, a much less demanding uh, word. And yet, when Jesus uh, ever spoke of belief, he always spoke in the context of follow. Now, follow is a much deeper word. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus came to call us to follow, um, not to just watch, not to just think about, not just to believe in, but to follow him. And, and there was a response. When someone says, follow me, there's a response. We are either going to ignore it or we're going to answer the call. Uh, to answer the call of follow uh, means there is action. You cannot follow without doing anything. We cannot say, well, I'm following you in my mind. Oh, really? That's really nice. That's not following. Uh, uh, we do a lot of things in our mind. Um, we pray in our mind. We believe in our mind. But we look at our lives, and our lives are not following him. Um, they are following a lot of other things, but they are not following him. So when we look at this call of following, of being a disciple, um, we need to look at what was Jesus really asking them? What was he calling them to? When he make, made this call to discipleship, what were they being called to do? What is the response that he was looking for? If, we're, if we are going to respond as disciples, what is he calling us to? The first thing he called them to is he said, follow me. Now, he did not say, I want you to follow my teachings. I want you to try and do this. Put this in your life and see if it makes a difference. That's not what he said. He didn't say, you know what, let me show you how to better uh, uh, live out the scripture that you've been given because you guys have not been doing it right. So let me, that's not what he said. He said, follow me. We need to understand that the first call is to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus, not just his words, not just his teachings, but to, to desire him. To follow Jesus, and the reason they followed him is because they saw something in him that they wanted. And, and so the response of discipleship has got to be that we see in Jesus something that we need. See, too many times we see something that we like. Or we see something that uh, he can do for us, and so we try and jump through the hoops. Okay, if I do this, then God said he would do this, and I definitely don't want to go to hell, so I'll do this. That is not following Jesus. He said, follow me. Do you see me as something that, that you need in your life? Not an action or a lifestyle, but come after me. Get to know me. Do you have a desire to know Jesus? Do you have a desire to be close to Jesus? Do you have a desire to be like Jesus? You see, everything is about Jesus. Um, it, it, it's not even about the Bible. Now, the Bible is going to be part of that, but you cannot love the Bible more than you love Jesus. And yet, sometimes we do. We get it out of priority. 
Now, I'm not saying to throw away the Bible because that is absolutely part of it, but it still has to come back into the right priority where Jesus is the focus. Everything I do in life, is it because Jesus is there? Is everything I don't do in life because Jesus will not be there? See, Jesus has to be the focus and actually the motivation. See, many times we can do things and we don't have any problem because we don't see, we're not focusing how that really affects the heart of Jesus. We see how it affects, can I fit this into a program of rules and, okay, I can go to church so many times and I can do this. And, okay, that's, everything kind of stays in balance. That's not what Jesus asked. He looks for people who will follow me. In other words, you have a heart. What is the heart of Jesus for me? Does my action affect? Because he's a real person. You see, we, we lose the... The idea that Jesus is a person who loves us. He is a person who desires to work in our life. He is, he is even more than a coach, more than a father. Even though we use those terms to kind of understand him, he is the person who made you. He is the person who loves you more than anyone, and he is a real person so that our actions affect his heart. He is a person that is affected by our actions. And so we need to come to the point, say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus, I want you in my life. Jesus, I want to become like you. I want to know you. I want to spend time with you. I, I want to live life in such a way that will be worthy of you. Everything I do is not because will, it be, uh, will I be judged for it? Is it good or bad for me? The only reason, how will it affect my relationship with you? See, do we ever think of it in those terms? Not, well, is this a sin? Will I not go to heaven? Well, forget those things. Stop even trying to put it on a scale and just begin to understand a relationship with Jesus. Is this what Jesus would want for me? It comes down to a much more simple walk, but that simple walk becomes a much more uh, deep and infiltrated thing in our life. And I think many times that's why we avoid it because relationships are much deeper than philosophies. And Jesus says, follow me. He called them to follow me. Will you follow me? It says that they left everything and they followed him. They went with him. They watched him. They, they talked with him, and, and it is that, that that God is looking for. We, we have that example of Mary and Martha, where Mary wanted, I mean, Martha wanted to do everything, get everything right, and making dinner for him, and Mary just wanted to sit at his feet. We need to come back to that place where we just want to follow him. I want to be with him. That is where you're going to find life. I'm going to tell you, life is frustrating Life is, is disappointing. Life is, is so hard because we have put it on a scale. And yet if we will just come back to the simple thing, I just need Jesus. Yes, it'll still be hard. But I'm going to tell you, when you just walk with Jesus, it is worth it. We have strength. We have a purpose that we find in him. So we are called to Jesus. 
And I think that has got to be the first change. But the second thing is we are called to his work. He said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. So they were not only called to him, but they were called to his service. You know, they didn't just uh, uh, walk around like, like uh, stargazed you know, fans. Ooh, Jesus, you are so... No, he said, I'm gonna, I've got work for you. As you follow me, there are going to be things that I want you to do. You are to become like me. I am going to make you, and in this case, he said, fishermen, fishers of men. Um, uh, in other words, what was fishermen? They already were fishermen. He's saying, just as that is your purpose, that is your, your work in life, I'm going to give you work in life. There, there is going to be work in following me, because as you walk with me, you're going to see my heart. And if you're going to want to be with me, then you're going to want to be part of my work. You're going to want to begin to have the same uh, desires that I have. And so we are called to his work. We are called to service. In fact, Jesus said, let me be an example. Um, I didn't come just to be served, but I came to be a servant. And so if you want to be great, you need to be like me. And this is what we're here. We're here to be servants. We are here to work for one another. We are here, in this case, to be fishers of men. Now, there's a difference in, 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 in being a fisherman, which I am not a fisherman. I don't really enjoy that too much. Um, uh, you have to touch slimy little things. I don't, it's like I don't understand that. Okay, I don't mind. Okay, you put the worm on my hook. I'll throw it in there, and I'll do this. And okay, that's kind of cool. And then you take it off. Okay, I'll be fine. Uh, but uh, I'm not really. But, but fish, when we're, when we're fishing for fish, it's really not to the fish's best interest, right? Can we agree to that? Even if you catch and release, I mean, come on, that still was not good for the, that had been some kind of trauma for the fish. So it's not for the fish. But when Jesus makes us fishers of men, we are not to bring fish into the boat, but we are to bring people into the boat. And, and when, we, when we bring people together, when we begin to bring people into the family, when we begin to join together as the family, this is for the benefit of one another. Um, it, it's kind of the opposite uh, effect of fishermen, but he said there's a service, there's a work that I have that we're going to build the church because we know that Jesus said this, I will build the church, and we've, we've just talked about that all summer. And so this is the work of Jesus. We're called to the work of Jesus. We are called to build the church. We are called to, to work the kingdom of God. And as we do that, we are getting closer to Jesus because that's where Jesus is. And, and so we cannot separate these two. And many times we do that. And this is, the, this is the conundrum that we fall into. Most of us are in one or the other. Um, most of us, man, we just love following Jesus. That's what I'm doing. I'm just following Jesus. I just believe in Jesus. And, and, and it's just all about this, and I'm a good person, and, and, and so he is kind of everything I do. And then others of us are, are this, man, I love working for Jesus. I, I love ministry, uh, and we're just, you know, we've grown up in the church. We love the church, and we love coming to church, and, and we're so focused on, on doing what we need to do. And come on, we need to do. Let's go, guys. Let's all chip in, and, and that's our our, uh, our focus, and many times we become judgmental. Man, you're not working hard enough, and, and, and 
you know, you've got to do that. But here's the thing. We need both. You cannot become a disciple. We cannot become a disciple without following and being called to both. Or we're not doing either. See, here's the thing. If we're doing one or the other, you're not doing either one. And and so this is where we need to pray. If I'm going to respond to discipleship, I need to ask myself, what am I responding? Am I responding whole to the whole call of God? Because if I'm only responding to one part of the call of God, I'm really not being a true disciple. In fact, I'm not being a disciple at all. I'm just finding the thing that I like the best and kind of fitting it to my likes. Because here's the thing. If you're following Jesus, but you're not involved in his work, you're not really following Jesus. So for the people that just like the spiritual part, I just like the spiritual, I'm just following Jesus, and you know, all that, you're getting too focused. We become the, the Mary that, that puts Martha down. Martha, you need to stop working and focusing on that and just follow Jesus. That's good, but if that's all we do, you're not really following Jesus. You're just kind of enjoying the little kumbaya part and, and, and not really following Jesus because here's the thing, Jesus is at work. Jesus said, I've come, I've got a purpose. So if you're going to follow me, if you really love me, if you really want to know me, then pick up your hammer and come on with me. We've got a job to do. And and if you're just still sitting back, no, Jesus, I just want to sit with you. And he's saying, let's go work. No, Jesus, let's just, then you're not really following Jesus. See, we deceive ourselves. So if we're following Jesus or we say we're following Jesus, but we're not involved in his work, we're not building the church, we are not getting in and making a difference, then you're not really following Jesus. But at the same time, if you're involved and you're busy at his work, but you're not following Jesus, then you're not really doing his work. And see, the same thing, many of us are like, man, I'm at church all the time and I love the church, which is great, but if you've lost the real understanding of why you come to church and why you do ministry, um, it's to be in his presence. The reason I pick up my hammer and let's go to work is because Jesus is there. Hey, Jesus, don't do it without me. Let me come work with you. Can I just work with you, Jesus? So you see, if you're working, but you've lost that first love of just Jesus, then you're not really doing it. You're doing work. You're doing a lot of work, but you're not following Jesus. So you see, there's a synthesis of this. We've got to come back to this place where we are following Jesus and we are doing his work. This is the response of a disciple. And and so we need to pray, God, let me begin to respond. Let me begin to hear your call in every area of my life. Where am I not responding Where is my weak area that I need to respond to be a disciple and not just uh, pick the part that I like? This is the response that Jesus is looking for. It is a full response to the call. So if we are going to respond to the call, we need to know what the call is. And the call is to love Jesus and to love his work. To love Jesus and to love his work. And, And Here's the thing about his work. It's not, see, some people say, well, I love Jesus, but I I can only do so much. And there's some things I can't do. 
Let's look at that verse of what Jesus said. And I've missed this at times when I've read it too. I always read this, and this is how we usually read it. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Right? You know that's not what it says. And yet that's how we quote it. We quote it that way almost every time. The real verse there says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So what Jesus says, if you will truly follow me, and you'll be willing and yielded to work with me, you're going to become that. You may not have that skill at all, but you see, you need to be willing to do something that you can't do right now. Are you willing to say, I will work with you even though, God, I can't do it at all right now? Jesus said, that's okay, because I'm going to make you become that. I have the ability to teach you to do something that you can't do right now. This is the desire of a disciple. You've got to be willing to let God teach you, to let God change you so that you will become something that you're not right now. You see, if you were already that right now, if you could already do those things, we wouldn't need Jesus. But Jesus says a disciple is willing to do something that may be very uncomfortable right now. And see, many times I'll do the work, but I'll only do what I can already do. And so Jesus, this is what I'm going to do because I already know how to do it. Jesus says, no, you need to be willing to do something that you don't know how to do. And I will give you that gift. Um, Many people say, well, I don't have that spiritual gift. Not right now, but it's because you haven't opened your hands and received it. You've got to be willing to receive something that you don't have yet. Jesus said, I will make you become fishers of men. Many people, oh, I don't, I'm not really good in front of people. If you're following Jesus, you will do whatever he asks you to do, and he will give you the strength to do it. And right now, you may not be very good at it, but he will make you become. You see, there's a process. He said, he said follow me. There's a process. We're going we're gonna to learn this. It'd be like starting a sport that you've never played before, but you just said, come on. We're going to start at the beginning, and I will make you become. We're going to start at the, the fundamentals, and by the end of it, you're going to be an expert. But you've got to be willing to pay the price. You've got to be willing to put in the time. You've got to be willing to follow Jesus and do his work. So this is a true discipleship. Many of us, we're just content where we're at. I don't really want to change. I don't want to really get better. I don't really want to learn something new. Then you're not following Jesus, and you better be very dangerous that you're not a disciple. Jesus is calling us to this transformational response. Now, you see, that's a response because I have to respond to be willing to be made into something new. I have to offer myself up to Jesus. I am that pot, that lump of clay that the potter is going to make in whatever form he desires, not the desired form that I desire. To some extent, it's kind of exciting what God can do with us. On the other side, it's a little scary in what God will do with us. But if we're following Jesus, that's where the work is connected to, but it's with Jesus. So no matter what he makes, you're going to be with Jesus. So there's a joy. There should be a passion that that even though the work may be hard and scary, but it's with Jesus. And guys, if we really understand who Jesus is, 
Jesus is the one, the very issue of life. All he has to do is speak word, and you have joy beyond your imagination. Why would we not want to be with him? And so we need to begin to enter in to that responsive relationship. And I think we have not developed that responsiveness to God. We've kind of sat back. We're not real responsive. We kind of think we're already there. Um, You know, very rarely do we go deeper. And Jesus said, we need to go deeper. We're always going deeper. So what did they do to respond? How did they respond? They had to leave some things. And we saw in the story that the first thing that they did is they had to leave their nets. It said the first thing they did is they they dropped their nets. What did the nets represent? It, It represented their livelihood. I mean, that is how they got paid. So they had to leave the source of their security for Jesus. In other words, Jesus, I am acknowledging that you're more important than what the world says I need to survive. God, I'm going to trust you. God, you are the source of my life. Do we see Jesus as the source of our provision? Really? I mean, I know we say that and we pray, or do we still, we kind of see our job still as what provides for me. I love you, Jesus, and yes, you gave me my job, and in my mind, I think that, but we still trust way more in money and provision than we do in Jesus. They dropped their nets. They left it right there. But not only their nets did they drop, uh, we see that they left their father. It says they left their father in the boat. What did the father represent? Their emotional connections. It represented relationships and, and, and things that, that made their identity. Are we willing to say, God, my identity and my emotional connection is going to be found in you rather than in the world? Um, so many times, we, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, but see, I'm real silly connected to these other things, my activities, because I can do those and still follow Jesus, or that's what we think. And so we, we follow Jesus, but we're still doing it with these other things, our father, our, our, our loved ones, our activities. And Jesus says, we've got to come to the choice Are we willing to drop our nets and leave our Father? Now, many people say, so I'm just going to walk away from family, and I'm just going to just leave everything for God. That's not what Jesus was saying. Now, there's some choices. What he's saying, when he says, will you follow me, God is a God of family. God is a God of work. So what we need to do in following him What they're saying is that, Jesus, you are going to become the center of my life out of which I work and out of which I have connections with the family. So it's just basically, it's a new reorientation of priorities. And so it's not that I just walk away from my family. It's not that I just uh, uh, begin to be such a, you're nothing to me, only Jesus. It's know that it is out of Jesus that I respond to my family. But because Jesus is the source of my response to my family, yes, some things are going to change. 
There's going to be some priorities and some scheduling and the way we spend our time. That's going to change because Jesus comes first. Jesus becomes the I don't even like saying Jesus comes first because many times we say Jesus needs to be first in your life. And that's not true because when we make Jesus first in our life, it just kind of becomes the first thing in a long list of things. And as long as we do, okay, I did it first, Jesus, now I'm on to number two and three. And Jesus says, you never go on to two or three with, you're never done with Jesus. So instead of saying Jesus is first, this is what Jesus really wants. Jesus needs to be the center. Think of a wheel. He's the hub. And every spoke comes out of Jesus. So do not make Jesus the first in a long list of priorities. Make him the center of every priority in your life. In other words, I'm going to love my family, but not before I love Jesus. And if my love for my family is overshadowing Jesus, then it's not really love for my family. I need to correct that, and I will prioritize how I love my family. And if it doesn't come out of Jesus, then yes, those things are going to get cut out. So maybe there are some things with relationships and with work that do need to be walked away from. But that's where we follow Jesus. Are we listening to the words of Jesus? Jesus, show me how I need to reorder my life. And when you reorder your life with Jesus at the center, I want to ask you, is there anything in your life that you think is going to be worse off if you put Jesus in charge of it? I mean, honestly, really. So there's something that you could do better than if Jesus was in charge. It wouldn't get messed up as much if you had Jesus. The only reason we say that, it's not because it wouldn't be better. It's because we wouldn't be in control. Or there's some things that we want that we don't want to give up, even though it's not better for us. Jesus knows what's best, and we're not willing to accept that. But if you honestly ask the question, what in your life would not be better off if Jesus was in charge of it? Now, it might be different. You're right. You might not be able to go to parties whenever you want, change your schedule whenever things happen. If you put Jesus in charge, things might be different, but I'm going to tell you they'll be better. If you are truly loving Jesus, they will be better. There's nothing in your life that Jesus won't do better. So are we reorienting our life to where Jesus is the center of all we do? Are we leaving our nets? Are we leaving our Father and saying, Jesus, you're the center. You're my priority. You're my purpose and my life. You see, when we do that, Jesus comes before, and I love this word, he infiltrates whatever other identity or passion we had before. He begins to fill that passion. So many passions, it's not that you need to get rid of a passion, but just let now Jesus becomes the reason for that passion. You know, we love sports. I love sports. But when we stop prioritizing the way the sport tells us we need to and start loving it through Jesus, which means sometimes we got to sacrifice some things, but we begin to put Jesus first. I'm going to tell you, Jesus can make those sports more fulfilling and satisfying than ever before. Even though for a short time, by putting Jesus first, we might have to lose some things. And I know there's times where a coach says, well, if you don't do this, you can't be on the team. Then you might have to not be on the team. Who is, who is more important, Jesus or the team? And I'm going to promise you that if you put Jesus first, 
In the short term, you might lose that team, but Jesus will, um, again, that question, who does your life better? Do you think Jesus doesn't want the best for you? Jesus will bring a team back that is in the right order that will bring you more satisfaction than the, than the other would have ever done. And that's the same with music. It's the same with relationship. Everything in our life, if we will surrender it to Jesus, even though at first there's a, there's a transition of, of realigning our life, I'm going to tell you, in the end, when it gets realigned with Jesus at the center, you will be happier than you ever thought you were going to be. But we have to let Jesus infiltrate every passion that we have. The last thing that we need to look at is not how they responded, but when did they respond? And if we are going to be a, a disciple that responds to Jesus, it says they responded immediately. They didn't say, oh, Jesus, that's a good invitation. Let me put it in my planner, and it'll give me an alert, and tomorrow morning it'll remind me to do that. I'm going to get on that. That's how we treat Jesus. It says, no, it says that they immediately, when Jesus called, he said, follow me. They dropped it and followed him. We need to understand that the call of Jesus is for today. It is not for when you're ready for it. It's not for when you can get things in the right order. Okay, Jesus, I'm not ready yet, but I'll get that. I'm going to tell you, then you may miss it because he's not going to wait for that. Immediately, they responded. Discipleship is an urgent matter because you don't know if the Spirit of God is going to leave you. You don't know if you even have tomorrow in your life. And even if you do, I'm going to tell you, there's a hardness in our heart that can come upon us that Jesus sees that we don't see. And that if we continue to push the Holy Spirit, because many of us, we feel the tug of the Holy Spirit. And many of us, you, you've been fighting it. You've been putting it aside. And I'm going to tell you, your heart is going to get harder and harder until you don't hear it anymore. And then you're going to feel good because it doesn't bother you anymore. But yet you will be separated from God forever until that day you stand before him and you will regret ever delaying obedience. See, the problem is, it's not disobedience. I think this is a bigger problem than sin in a Christian's life. Because many times we don't overtly sin, but you know what we do? We delay obeying. It's delayed obedience that is the biggest enemy in our life. Because the longer you delay, you put it off. I am going to do it. I intend to do it. Good intentions pave the road to hell. Because you always intended to do it, but you delayed. The Bible says the day of salvation is today. Now is the time. When, when, when Jesus calls, when the Holy Spirit tugs, we need to respond. You see, a true disciple responds. A true disciple says, yes, Jesus, here am I. We've got to stop putting it off. You've got to stop saying, that's a good thing. I'm going to think about that. We have got to come to the point that we understand that discipleship is total and it is urgent. God, here, I'm going to give all of me and I'm going to give it all now. Everything and now.
And I know that is abrupt and it's harsh, but it is because we are fighting an enemy that is abrupt and harsh. It says you need to be sober and understand that your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he will devour. You are living in a world that is looking to twist your mind, to subtly pull you away from God. Every moment of every day, you are facing an enemy that wants to destroy your life. That is why the response must be total and urgent. Because if it's not, you are giving an opening to the enemy to destroy you. And Jesus said, the enemy wants nothing but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come to give you life. So why would you choose death over life? Let's choose life and let's do it now. Because if we are not following as a disciple, you're not a Christian. And I know that's what people don't like to hear. And that's what is not being preached in the church. We've just kind of become complacent in hearing the word and well we're good people and we follow the bible and we believe it but you're not following jesus you're not answering the call we are not becoming disciples and therefore we are not entering in to what god has for us are we willing to respond because a disciple responds he doesn't ignore or put off what god is asking us to do Let's bow our hearts.